You're listening to The Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Sanchez, and this is episode 115, Workflow Like a Pro. Did you know your nursing dream job is out there? But it's not something you find. It's something you create. And I can show you how. I'm Abby Sanchez, and I'm a life coach for nurses. Using my experience at the bedside, along with my psychology degree, I help nurses build confidence, manage overwhelm, and fall in love or back in love with being a nurse. So come along with me and I'll help you create the career and life you crave. You ready? Let's go. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to episode 115 of the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to workflow like a pro. So I'm excited for this podcast episode. I think it's going to be super helpful for all of you, but especially for you new nurses just getting out there trying to figure out your workflow and how to improve it and manage your time so you can get the things done you need to during your shift. I think this is going to be super, super helpful for you guys. Like get out a pen and paper because you're going to want to take notes on this episode. But even if you're not a new nurse, let's be real we all could enhance our workflows and we all need to kind of revisit our workflow from time to time and just kind of polish it up a little bit and be more intentional about it. And so even if you've been a nurse for decades, I hope you will still tune into this episode because you're going to get a lot out of it. I'm going to be introducing some different ways to go about creating your workflow and enhancing it that you probably haven't really considered before. So I think this is going to be an episode that is super helpful for all of you, and I'm excited to get into it. So what we're going to talk about in this episode is how to enhance your workflow, but specifically how to get systems in place in your workflow. Okay. So I know a lot of times we talk about goal setting. That's a pretty common thing, right? People ask about, you know, what what goals are you working towards, especially New Year's resolutions or just personally, I know I like to have goals and I think goals can be great. They give you kind of a benchmark for what you're trying to achieve. So for you new nurses and all of us nurses, right, you probably have some goals during your shift. So as a new nurse, you might have a goal to get better at the med pass, to be like, okay, I want to be more efficient with my time, get my meds passed by the time they're due every single shift. That would be amazing if I could do that. So that could be a goal you have, right? Or another goal you have could be to get your charting done. So to make sure you don't miss the things you're supposed to chart on and to make sure you chart on the different areas, right? The assessment and the care plan and your progress note and all the things you're supposed to do with patient education, all of that, right? So you might have some different goals that you're working on. I think goals are really helpful because they tell us what we're aiming for. But I want to shift the focus to systems because systems are how we get to our goal. I think it's kind of interesting to think if you got rid of your goals altogether, like if you forgot that you were trying to get your med pass done by a certain time or you forgot you were trying to chart on all this stuff, If you didn't have that goal in your mind at all, but you had your systems in place, you could still achieve that goal. But if you have the goal without the systems, 
it's hit or miss, right? You might make it sometimes and you might not. But when we have systems in place, then we're able to continuously achieve our goals. So that's the thing I love about systems versus goals is that systems create lasting change. So a while back, I ran a half marathon. This was like years ago. I haven't run in a long time now. But when I was planning for that and preparing for that, that was my goal to be able to run a half marathon. And I trained for, you know, several weeks in advance and then went to the race and did the race. And it was awesome. I was really proud of myself for achieving that goal. But after I achieved the goal, I didn't keep running. Occasionally I would here and there, I'd go through little spurts of when I'd run again, but I wasn't consistent with my running routine. And that's because when we're focused on the goal, then once we check off the goal, a lot of times we stop doing it. Once we get to that body weight or we get to that level of fitness, we're like, okay, I did it and now I'm done. But when we have systems in place, systems are ongoing. So I heard Brooke Castillo say once, um, she's the founder of the Life Coach School and one of my mentors who I just look up to and learn a lot from. And one time I heard her say, you know, she asked, would you rather I give you a million dollars or would you rather I teach you how to earn a million dollars? And she said, whenever she asked that question, a ton of people say, I would rather you just give me the million dollars, right? Because that's a lot easier than learning how to do it. And whenever people say that, she's like, but you know what? If I give you a million dollars, yeah, that's fun. Then you have a million dollars to go spend on whatever you want. But if I teach you how to make a million dollars, then you can replicate that. Then you can do it again and again and again as many times as you want. So instead of just getting one million, you can get tons of millions of dollars. And I think that's what systems are like in our lives. Like, yes, you can have a goal to get your med pass done by a certain time. Every single shift, you can have that goal. And sometimes you'll hit it, sometimes you won't. But if we have systems in place, then we can repeatedly meet those goals again and again. And sure, it's not going to happen every time, right? I don't want you to go into this with that expectation. Like, okay, if I get a system in place, I'm never going to be laid on a med again. No, that's not how it works. But it does create more of a process where we can continually get the results we're looking for. So I'm excited to help you guys do that today. So instead of having the goal to have a smooth, organized shift, let's create systems that help us have more smooth, organized shifts. You ready? This is going to be fun. Okay. So I don't know if you guys have seen the show, The Home Edit on Netflix. I binge watched that show several months ago. Actually, I really loved it. They have such a cute dynamic. It's these two women. I don't even really know their names. I don't remember. I loved them though. They are so cute. They have such a fun friendship. They're always like teasing each other and I can relate to them a little bit type A in some ways. And well, they're way more type A than I am, I should say. (laughs) But what they do is they go into different homes. Some of them are just everyday people who need some help with organization. And some of them are celebrities. Like they went to Reese Witherspoon's house and Khloe Kardashian and a bunch of different people. So they go in people who have 
huge homes and they're just organizing this giant walk-in closet that's so glamorous or they're going to someone's house and helping them organize their garage but their goal wherever they go isn't just to come and clean up right they're not focused on a goal as in let's just get the garage clean or let's just get the walk-in closet clean or the bedroom clean that's not the goal What their mission is, is to come in and create a system. So they want to create a system for people so that they can maintain it, so they can keep their garage organized or their closet organized or their kitchen organized. And the amazing thing about them is not only do they come in and create systems, but they have a system for creating systems. That's what makes the home edit so amazing is they have this process they go through every time, no matter where they're going, that they can replicate. They're like, okay, we're in the kitchen or we're in the bathroom, we're in the garage, wherever we are, let's do our system and they replicate it. So today I'm going to walk you through their system for making systems to help you create your system (laughs) for your shift. Okay, you ready for it? I know that's a lot of systems, but we're going to get it all in place. And this is why I'm saying you might want to have a pen and paper here because I'm going to be giving you kind of some little prompts where if you want to, you can pause the episode and jot some things down and take some notes. But we're going to help you get your workflow into a system so you can consistently rock your shifts. All right. So the first part of the system, actually, there's they have step one, but there's kind of a pre-step one. So I want you to imagine, you know, walking in to clean out your closet, we'll say. The first step, what they always do in the home edit is they go in and pull everything out of the closet, like every last thing. It's not like you go and you just are like, oh, maybe we should get rid of this. Maybe we should get rid of that. That's a little messy over there. Let's straighten up that corner. And you're trying to do it all while the closet is still full. No, they go in and take every single thing out of the space they're organizing. So that's what I want you to do first. When you think about your shift, we're going to metaphorically pull everything out of the closet. So what I mean by this is we're going to take a look at everything you do during your shift. And I know that's a lot. Okay. So this is just a quick exercise though. Okay. So like I said, if you want to, you can pause this episode and I want you to jot down every single thing you do during your shift. Now I know it's going to change shift to shift, right? Like some of the time you're not going to do these things like putting in an NG tube or whatever, but especially those things you do every single shift, I really want you to try to get them all down on paper, even if they're just like tedious things, okay? Like getting a warm blanket or taking a patient to the bathroom or getting supplies ready for the med pass, okay? So I want you to just take a second to think about all of those things and write them down that you do during your shift, okay? So once you've had a chance to do that, I know some of you aren't physically writing it down, but you can go through this process later. Then we're getting into step one of the home edit system. So step one is the edit. So what they do on the home edit is after they've pulled everything out of the space, then they go through and get rid of the things they don't really need or really want. Okay, so they might, if they're doing a kitchen, let's say, they might be like, okay, you've got 
seven different sets of measuring cups. How many sets of measuring cups do you really need? I have three sets of measuring cups <laughs> and I still feel like that's too many. Sometimes I just leave them in like the flour container or different things because I'm like, I don't need all these. I don't want them to take up all the drawer space. So I just leave them in different containers. But they go through and they're like, okay, you've got seven sets of measuring cups. Maybe you need two or three. Let's get rid of the ones you don't need. You've got five cake pans. How many cakes are you ever making at a time? Like they're all the same size. Let's get rid of some of those cake pans. You've got a gazillion mugs. I mean, who doesn't have a gazillion mugs though, really? Mugs are just fun to buy. It's fun to get a cute mug. But I think all of us probably have way more mugs. Like if you think of how many people do I ever have over drinking hot chocolate at a given time? The most is maybe six. For me, maybe as my family grows or my kids have friends over, I'll need more mugs. But really, we don't need that many mugs, right? We've got a whole shelf dedicated to mugs. But that's what they do. They go through and they take out those things that you don't really need. So that's what I want you to do in this first step after you've gone through the pre-first step, which is getting all the tasks down on a piece of paper. I want to see what you can get rid of. Now, hang on a second. I am not talking about cutting corners. I'm not saying, okay, we can just get rid of washing our hands. <laughs> no, we're going to do that, right? That's non-negotiable. I'm not saying we get rid of charting our I's and O's because the patient will survive whether or not those are charted. No, like those are the things we need to keep. What I'm saying is let's get rid of some of the excess, right? Like you're not getting rid of all your measuring spoons and measuring cups. You're just getting rid of the excess. So I want to talk about some ways you can do that. So for me, the first thing that comes to mind is delegate. You got to delegate some of those tasks. So I'm not saying we get rid of them completely. Like if you have help a patient brush their teeth on your list, I'm not saying we just get rid of it and be like, oh, that's a waste of time. No, that's important, but you could delegate that to your aid, or you could help the patient be more independent in doing some of those things, right? So what are some ways we can cut down that list and delegate? Now, I think this is really important for you new nurses to think about, okay? Because I know sometimes as new nurses, we feel intimidated to delegate. We don't want to seem like we're just being lazy, But here's the thing, as a nurse, there are certain things that you can do and only you can do that your nurse's aide can't do, right? They can't give the medications. They can't do the assessments. They can't put in the NG tube or start a new IV. And so as a new nurse, especially when it takes you a little bit more time to do those things, that's what you need to put your focus on. And other people are able to still do some of those other things, like help brush the teeth or toilet the patient or turn the patient. And so if we want this patient to get all the care they need to get, then we need you to focus on only what you can do. And then we need the people who are able to do those other things fill in the gaps. Okay, so this is something I've been thinking about in my business a lot because As I've been growing my business, it started out with me doing everything where I would 
do all the like schedule all the emails and do the podcast editing and just every single thing that needed to be done in my business I would do but as it has grown and there's been more tasks and more things I want to get done I have bigger dreams for what I want to offer to the world I've realized there's some stuff that only I can do like for me at least at this point right now I'm the only one who can get on and teach what I have to teach you guys here on the podcast or in Bold Nurse Society, there are things that only I can do in there, or I would need to hire other coaches to do. So like for our group coaching and our coaching calls, that needs to be me, or it needs to be a coach who has the same credentials and background of nursing and all of that that I have, right? And so that's more difficult to find. But it's pretty easy to find someone who can send out an email, or who can update a website, or who can edit a podcast, or those types of things, right? That's a lot easier to find. And so for me, as I realized that, I'm like, there are certain things that I need or really want to be doing in my business. But there are other things that other people can do, and it's not going to take away from the quality. My clients are still going to get the attention and care they need, and actually better attention and care, because I'm focused on my zone of genius, And this other person is focused on their zone of genius, right? Like creating Facebook ads or graphic design or whatever that may be. And it's the same for nursing. You as the nurse need to be operating as much as you can in your zone of genius. And your zone of genius is assessing your patients and giving interventions. And absolutely as you can, as you have more time and, and, and get more experience with your workflow and things get smoother for you, I want you to be helping with whatever tasks you can. Like I'm not saying that we're just like, oh, I'm, I'm too good to take patients to the bathroom. That's not what this is about at all. But you need to be doing the things that only you can do and let your aid do what they are meant to do, what they're really good at. Aides are so much better than me at doing bed changes. I kind of fumble around with like getting everything lined up, getting like the different layers, you know, with the fitted sheet and the pad and the slide sheet and all of that. I'm like, did I do this right? And I and then when we like roll the patient over, the brief is totally like not lined up where it's supposed to be. I'm like, all right, you aides, you know what you're doing. You're really good at this. I want to let you take on that role as much as you're able to. And I want to stay in my zone of genius as much as I'm able to. And of course, I'm going to help out as much as I can when it permits. But I think as a newer nurse, it's going to start off where you're more focused on the nursing tasks, and then you're going to start picking up more of those other things. So this is where I suggest you start out with editing some of those tasks and you may want to have some conversations with your aides about that. If it makes you really uncomfortable to, you know, think they're just going to think I'm so lazy and blah, 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 you might want to talk to them about it. I don't think that ever hurts to have more open communication. So you could just tell them, you know, I don't want you to think I am just being lazy or that I don't want to help out with these tasks. I totally do. But being a new nurse, I'm still working on my workflow and my time management. And so right now, I really want to put my focus as much as I can on 
the nursing specific tasks. And when I can, absolutely, I'm going to do some of those other tasks as well. But I just want you to know that when I delegate something to you or ask you to help out with things, it's not that I'm trying to be lazy. I'm just trying to focus on the nursing specific tasks that I'm responsible for. So I don't think that hurts. I think it can help to just communicate that. But that's one way that you can edit is think of how can I delegate some of these tasks and what are the things that really only I should be doing? Okay, another way you can edit is to think of how to cut out on some of those unnecessary activities. So this would be little things like, how could I cut down on how many trips I make to the supply closet? Or how many times I have to leave the patient's room to go grab something, to go get a warm blanket and then go back to the patient's room and then go get a water refill and then go back to the patient's room and then go grab a med and then go back to the patient's room. So how can we condense these things? So now I'm more efficient. I've got the warm blanket, the water, the meds, and now I'm going to the patient's room one time instead of leaving several times and coming back. Okay. Um, Similarly, how can you consolidate paging the doctor or contacting the doctor? Instead of sending five pages, how could you condense that into maybe just one? Like I know sometimes things are going to come up. It's urgent. That wasn't expected. And you have, you just sent a page and now something new comes up and you have to send another page. That happens, right? But overall, How might I want to organize things or think about things so I can minimize that? So maybe if I go to a patient's room and they are requesting a PRN medication like a sleep aid or something like that, that's not urgent, then I can jot that down and be like, okay, now I'm going to go see my next patient and see what needs they have. And maybe something's going to come up there. This home med that they usually take wasn't ordered. So I'm going to add that to my list. So as you go from patient to patient, if it's not something urgent, Maybe you can make that into a little list and page the doctor later on. Okay, or maybe you can talk to your charge nurse and problem solve some different things that cuts down on needing to page the doctor. But think about how can you minimize some of those tasks that you do repeatedly, okay? All right, so our next step in the process is to categorize. So, In the home edit, they go in, they take everything out of the closet, they get rid of the unnecessary things, and the next step is they categorize. And they're good, you guys. They have categories within categories. So first, they break everything up into its like overall big picture category. So you've got all the dresses over here, you've got all the boots over here, you've got the handbags here, the shirts here, the pants here, right? So they break it into those bigger categories. But then within each category, there's more categories. So let's take the example of the shirts, right? So if you're organizing your shirts, what they do is they take all the shirts and they organize them by thickness. So you've got all your sweaters and your warmer things, and then you've got your t-shirts or thinner materials. And then last, you've got more like tank top summer clothes. Okay, so they put them into that category and then within those categories, they color code it. So then all the red sweaters, all the yellow, blue, whatever, right? And so as you organize your shift, we can think about it that way. That we might have some bigger categories like 
each patient could be a category, right? So the patient in room one, the patient in room two, the patient in room three, kind of easy to break it into those categories, right? And then we can also categorize by task. So for patient one, maybe the first category I want to say is like, these are my most urgent tasks, most time-sensitive tasks. And then the next category might be, these are the must get done within a given time period, right? Like my meds or my assessment, I want to get that done within the first couple hours of my shift. And then the next category could be those less time sensitive things, those things that it's just like, whenever I have a moment during my shift, I'm going to pop in, go do that thing real quick, and we're good. Okay, so we can organize our shift into those broader categories and then break it down. Now, this is going to be your own personal preference. And of course, your clinical judgment is always going to come into play and override all of this. I don't want you to be really rigid and stuck into this, but these are just some general ideas to help you get organized and to have more of a system in place. So I'll share with you kind of my general approach with my system, how I kind of categorize things and structure my shift. And I'm a bedside nurse, right? I work on a cardiac floor. So those of you who work at the bedside and are hospital nurses, this might apply to you more directly than if you work in a clinic or a long-term care facility or do home health. You're going to have to apply this, you know, how it relates to your area of nursing. But what I do is first I have, you know, those urgent tasks. So if I come on shift and I get report and I notice this patient's a little off, I'm kind of concerned about this, then that's what I'm going to address first. And then next, I have those typical tasks that I want to do within a certain time period. So that's my assessment and my meds. So that's where I usually start off. Usually, there's not something urgent right when I come on shift. That's the exception, right? But usually, I can get in, get report, look at the charts, and then jump into my meds and my assessments. Now, sometimes I'll be in a patient's room and something will come up and I'll just take care of it right there. If they're like, you know what, I'd like to get repositioned and I just reposition them, boom, done. Other times things will come up that I'm like, okay, in this category, right, I have my patient category and then the different categories of needs and urgency. Maybe what they're asking for is a little bit later on the list. They're like, you know, could I get the TV guide. And I'm like, yes, of course. And I let them know I'm just starting out making rounds on my patients, getting the meds and the assessments done. I'd be happy to bring that in for you when I finish. So usually if I let them know that, they're totally fine with it. And sometimes I end up bringing it in early, right? I have a moment where I'm passing by and I'm like, oh, got it. Or my CNA is going in there and I can just send it with them. And they're super grateful for that. But I just try to set up that expectation. It might be a little bit until I get to that because I know in my mind, I need to do these things first. These are what are really important right now. Okay, so again, use your own judgment for that. You can decide, do you want to go and just take care of it right away? Or just make a little list for yourself. Once I finish doing my rounds, I'm going to go and grab the TV guide for this person. Okay, so that's one category I have is those start of shift things. And then I have charting, which I usually do right after I finish my meds and assessments. And then 
last, I do those additional care things, or I kind of fit them in wherever they feel appropriate. Okay. So those are some suggestions for you on how you could kind of categorize it and how you could think about it. And you're going to refine that as you go. So don't expect to know it all right now. You're going to figure out your workflow as you do it and how it personally works for you. But that's just kind of a starting point to get you thinking about how do I create a system out of this? Because that's the goal. We want to create a system that works for you, that every time you come into your shift, even though there are going to be some different things going on, call bells going off and patients calling for different things, you have this overarching system to guide you through it. Now, step three is after you categorize, you contain. So we edit, we categorize, we contain. So what this looks like in the home edit is they contain all of the things from the different categories. So they take the shirts and they're like, okay, this is the area in the closet that we need to fit all the shirts into. So they put it in that space, make it look pretty. And then they're like, okay, now we have this space dedicated to handbags. This person has a whole lot of handbags. How are we going to make this fit? And so they designate and allot a certain amount of space to it and then make it work. And so that's what I want to suggest to you. I think sometimes, like my mentality used to be, we'll see how long it takes me. Like when I was planning things in my business, like recording a podcast episode, I'd say, okay, let's see how long it takes me to record this episode. And when I did that, sometimes it took me a long time. I would spend a long time researching and outlining and trying to think of all these examples. And then I'd get to the recording phase and I would start recording and I'd be like, oh, that doesn't sound good. I'm going to re-record. And I would just spend so much time trying to get it done and be like, okay, that podcast episode ended up taking this much time. And then the next podcast episode, let's see how long this one takes. And maybe it wouldn't take as long. So I was letting the task dictate time. But now the approach I take is I have the power over time and I make the task work for me. I'm like, okay, task, whatever it is, whether it's the podcast episode, whether it's charting during my shift, I'm like, this is how much time I'm going to give this specific activity. And we're going to make it fit. We're going to get it done. Let's go. So I'm not just waiting to see, like, let's see how long it takes me to do the med pass tonight. I wonder how long it's going to take. No, no, no. Then it can take forever, right? Then we get pulled in all kinds of directions, but we're like, no, the med pass is going to take two hours. I'm going to be done in two hours. Then we make it fit into that time slot. Instead of saying, let's see how long it takes me to get through charting on this patient. Instead, I like to just be like, okay. It's going to take me five minutes to chart on this patient. I'm going to get my assessment put in in five minutes. That's how much time I'm giving myself. Then I do it. And I get it charted in five minutes. It's amazing. Now for you guys, if you're a new nurse, five minutes might not be realistic for you. So try to give yourself realistic time increments to shoot for. And especially if you know you're going to have patients calling and have different interruptions. I like to plan on those, but I like to be intentional about it. Like this is how much time, and I kind of turn it into a game. 
like, I'm not saying we just get sloppy. I'm not saying it's like, okay, I have five minutes to do it. Whatever I got done in five minutes, that's all that's going to get charted on. But it's just like, all right, let's see what I can do. I'm giving it five minutes. I'm going to, I'm going to do an amazing job in five minutes. Go. So try to contain your tasks into different time allotments. Don't just give yourself unlimited amounts of time to get it done. And of course, sometimes it's going to go outside that and that's okay. We can learn from that. But I want you to be in charge of your time. I want you to be in charge of how much time tasks take. Another thing I want to have on your radar as you're in this containment phase is your breaks. I want you to contain your breaks into certain periods. Like, okay, by this time in the shift, I'm going to have taken my first 15 minute break. So even if I'm not done charting, it's time for me to go take a break. Or I'm going to go take my lunch at this time. Now, of course, we're going to be flexible. Sometimes something urgent is going to be coming up and we're going to say, you know what? I've got to stay here and take care of this and then I'm going to go to lunch. But so often we get into that mindset where it's like everything has to be done and then I can go to lunch. Like I have to be charted on all the patients and then I can go to lunch. No, you can be charted on two of your patients, go take your lunch and come back and chart on the rest. But don't cut into those breaks. Don't miss those breaks because you're not containing your other tasks, right? Just like we don't want the boots bleeding into the handbag section because then you don't have enough space for handbags in your closet, which I only have like two purses. But, you know, for those of you who love handbags. Okay. Our last category is maintain. That's the last part of the system for creating systems is we maintain it. So as you create your system for your workflow, for your shifts, I want you to think about how can I make this sustainable or how can I refine it and make it even better? And that's a continuous practice. It's not something where it's like, okay, I've figured out how to have a successful shift. You're gonna try different things and you're gonna say, you know what, that didn't work that time. But how can you maintain not only your system, but maintain your trajectory of growth? How can you maintain progress? So I've been reading the book Atomic Habits. It's by James Clear. And I got to tell you guys, I'm a chronic half book reader. I started this book forever ago, probably a couple years ago, and I got halfway through it. And sometimes when that happens, I get halfway through a book and then I come back to it a while later and I just start where I left off and finish it. But I had remembered, I was like, this one I know had some really good stuff in it and I don't remember what that was. (laughs) So I decided to just start it over. And so I haven't actually finished it yet. So I'm going to push through. We're going to get to the end of it. Not that it's not a good book and that's the reason I would stop, but that's just what I do. I read half a book and then I get sidetracked. I have something else that pulls my interest. I'm like, oh, I want to read this book now. But I just started rereading Atomic Habits and they start off by talking about the British cycling team. So they talk about how the British cycling team for years and years was terrible. (laughs) They were just absolutely awful. They hardly won any races. I think they had like one Olympic gold medal in I don't know how many years and they were even so bad 
that one company that makes bicycles and cycling gear and all of that, they didn't want to sell their products to the British cycling team because they were worried it would hurt their reputation and other professional teams wouldn't want to use their gear if they saw the British team using it. So that's how bad this team was. But then the team got taken over by a new coach and he was really a firm believer in the concept of the aggregation of marginal gains, which if you're like me, when I heard that in the book, I was like, what the heck does that even mean? The aggregation of marginal gains. And what it means is if you take all these tiny improvements and add them up, they make a huge impact. And so that's what I want to suggest to you guys as you are trying to figure out your systems, whether you're starting from scratch or trying to refine a current system, is I want to challenge you to just improve by 1%. So instead of thinking I have to create this whole perfect system from start to finish, which would be totally overwhelming, especially for you new nurses, right? Instead of thinking about it that way, I want you to think, what if I just improved each area by 1%. So what the British team did was they looked at really small things. They looked at things like how does each athlete's body react in different gear, like different fabrics. And they found the best one for each athlete to wear. They looked at what kind of pillowcases they use, if that impacted their night's sleep, and what types of muscle creams, and they painted their track white so that they could see even just little tiny specks of dirt. So these changes that they made were tiny, right? They were really minute things. And one change on its own wouldn't have made a difference. But as they made all these different changes, it totally transformed this team. They were a force to be reckoned with. And I don't have all the dates here, but in one Olympic Games, they set nine Olympic records as a team and seven world records. And then they won five Tour de France victories within six years. So it was pretty crazy, right? They went from being basically the laughing stock of the cycling world to being top contenders. And we can do that in our shifts as we make 1% changes in several areas, just those tiny little changes, they will add up. So I want you to think about how you can do this during your shift. How could you get 1% better at the med pass? Not saying you have to do it perfectly, but how could you get 1% better? How could you get 1% better at enhancing your report? Like from when you come in to work and you get your assignment until the time when you're like done getting report. 1%, how could you improve that process? Maybe it would be something as simple as printing out a whole bunch of nurse brains so you have them ready to go and you don't have to come print it off every shift. Okay, you already do that. All right, so what's your next 1%? Maybe you're gonna have a little system in place for when you go into the patient's chart, those things that you take a look at real quick and then go get report. Or maybe you want to 
cut that part out altogether. Maybe you want to start what I do personally is I go in, I get my assignment. I don't look at the patient's chart yet. I just go get reports. We do bedside report at my hospital and then I go to the computer. Then I take a look in the chart and I have my little routine for how I'm going to look at those different things for check out any concerning labs and the orders and the notes and I have my system in place. So you can do that too. So what's your 1%? How could you get 1% better at doing a bed change? How could you get 1% better at charting? How could you get 1% better at doing your I's and O's? These aren't big things. It doesn't have to be anything big and overwhelming. And when we think of it this way, it's so much easier to maintain, to maintain that trajectory of growth because we're not overwhelmed, because it's totally doable. But those tiny little changes add up and they will transform your shift and your workflow. All right, you guys, so take it from the home edit, get your system in place. And as you get your system in place, then you'll be able to achieve your goals during your shift and as a nurse. So to give you a quick recap of those steps, first, before you even start the steps, jot down all the tasks, all the things you do during your shift, how you're spending your time. Just get a big, long, full list. And then step number one is you're going to edit. So go through and cut out those things that you can eliminate, whether it's by delegating, whether it's by condensing things, combining things. How can you edit this list to make it more concise? Then number two, you're going to categorize. So think about how you want to organize your flow, what things you want to prioritize. Then we're going to contain it. So contain it in a certain amount of time the best you can. Instead of letting the task dictate how long it takes to get things done, you get to decide, I'm going to fit it into this amount of time. Ready? Go. And then number three, maintain. Not just maintain your system, but maintain your trajectory of growth and progress. And that happens by just looking for ways you can improve by 1%. All right, you guys, I know this was a ton of information, but I hope It was super helpful to you. I hope that as you take a look at your workflow, you can be a little bit more intentional about it and that this gives you that starting off point to create a workflow that works for you. All right, you guys, if you enjoyed this episode, I would absolutely love for you to go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. When you do, it not only is so rewarding for me, I love to get to read your reviews and how the podcast is helping you and is useful and beneficial to you all. But I also think it's so important for other nurses to read those reviews because they need to hear from nurses like them that this podcast can be a game changer, not only for them as nurses, but in their lives. And so I'd love for you to go leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts. Let other nurses know how this all is helping you. Thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing week. I'll talk to you guys later. Take care.